0: Thank you.
1: Good to see everybody here this morning. Just want to call your attention to a few things. If you're visiting with us, uh, when you leave today, when you go outside into the main lobby, you'll see a guest table there, and you can grab one of our gift bags. Just have some information about our church, some ways that we can serve you, and ways that you can contact church staff. I think this morning we actually gave some people who have been visiting a tour around the church. So uh, anything that you need, from a church tour to a phone call, whatever you need, uh, we'll be happy to do that, and so you can find information uh, about church staff and the ways our church can serve you in those gift bags. Um, Also, uh, as you're out in the lobby this Sunday, this is for everybody. Uh, Christmas and TVL is coming up. So uh, in the lobby, you'll find the table and you'll find Kathy and Kelly out there. Uh, And this year, they're going to have a bunch of items that you can either purchase. So you can go out and shop and get these items and bring them back for the Christmas and TVL recipients. Or you can just donate money. So either way, you can shop or you can give. Uh, and you can go out in the lobby today and then you can get one of the little, I think they're Christmas bells maybe. Um, and they have an item on those that you can go purchase for that uh, particular person for Christmas in TV. So make sure you stop out there at the table uh, in the welcome in, a, in the Jennings lobby uh, and they'll have those tags out there for you. And you can either shop or give this year. So that's uh, a different, a little bit different than last year where you're able to go shop. Also, this Wednesday night, we are going to be folding up. Uh, putting on shipping labels for 1200 operation christmas child shoe boxes so we need all hands on deck this wednesday night in the gym so if you can come out uh, and serve in that way that would be awesome to get all those boxes prepped and ready and then get all the uh, components that go inside the boxes those will all come out as well and we'll have the conveyor lines made up wednesday night and then we'll pack all those boxes on sunday night together as a church So. Wednesday night, if you can come out and help this Wednesday, it would be awesome. Also, just want to brag on the church for a minute. Um, This past Sunday, we had our uh, barbecue benefit for the Brock family. And you see on the back of the bulletin, I think there's about $15,000 that's come in for the family. And the total is still going up as we uh, get online giving and all those things. So just want to brag on our church. I know everybody says East Hillsville is such a big church, and it is a big church. But when it needs to be small, it's small. And uh, so thankful for you guys and thankful uh, for our Baptist men for doing the barbecue and doing that for the Brock family. And continue to pray for them. Pray for the Ronies as well as they get a new date set and uh, hopefully get uh, transplants soon. So thank you guys for being so generous in your giving last week. Um, but for now, if you will, stand up, turn to your neighbor. Welcome them to East Taylorville. Mm.
2: To the Lord in prayer. Just uh, two quick announcements. I just want to speak to what Justin mentioned with the uh, fundraiser for uh, Freddie and Cindy Lou. We've we've received almost twenty thousand dollars so far. Let's just thank the Lord for that. Is that not a blessing? And uh, I wanna I wanna thank our um, Baptist men for all the work that they do. For everyone who uh, made cakes. I think we auctioned off close to close to thirty cakes and all that all oh, that's a blessing to us. For those of you who served, it takes a lot of work to do a barbecue. Thank you so much for that. We'll be having more, okay? And that's that's one of the blessings of being a part of a church family, is it not? If you're not a part of a church family, you just don't get loved on like that. So that's why it's so important, and I'm honored to be the pastor of this church. We have never had a family with a need that you guys did not meet, so thank you very much for that. I really do appreciate that. And uh, Justin's mentioned Christmas and TVL. You'll be hearing more about that uh, uh, in the future. Also, Wednesday night Bible study, we'll meet in the gym, is that correct, Justin? Yeah, for, the, uh, for folding up the shoeboxes, 1,200 shoeboxes, is that not a blessing? Let's thank the Lord for that as well. That is wonderful. As we come to this time in prayer, I want you to remember Robbie Flowers. Robbie is one of the survivors of the Hidden Campground Flood. He spoke here uh, back in, I think, in 2021. Uh, he's the man, the grandfather, whose grandson died in the flood. Um, uh, an exact year later, his daughter had another baby And I called him We, we talked to each other on the one year anniversary And had another baby Well, unfortunately last week, his daughter died And I had the honor and the privilege to preach her funeral At Bennett's funeral services on Friday uh, Very thankful But I told him that we'd mention him in prayer He loves his church He and Annette, they're wonderful people uh, He's in... He's in uh, taking care of two grandbabies now. So if you will remember Robbie, good man. just some Many of you know him, okay? So remember him as we pray. Also, Lynn Marshall. Lynn Marshall is a very faithful, longtime member of this church. Uh, Lynn Marshall is, uh, has an illness and hospice is coming to his home now. So if you will, listen, remember Lynn and Mama Jean in your prayers, Jody and Stacy. They're good people. They love their church. And they need your support now more than ever, okay? So what I'm going to ask you to do is the praise team and the choir leads us in this time of worship. If you'll meet me here at the altar, and let's lift the marshals up in prayer this morning. And then whatever God lays on your heart, you pray for that as well. If you will, meet me here
0: at the altar this morning. Thank you. Yeah.
2: this prayer time if you'll bow your heads with me will you, will you right now lift up uh, the Robert Flowers family Robbie saw a lot of tragedy the last two, two or three years and his faith has remained steadfast in Annette so if you will lift him up in prayer right now that God would give them strength and if you lift up Lynn Marshall right now he needs God's touch on his body Physically and emotionally. And pray that the Lord would bless him spiritually. And Mama Jean is a caregiver there in the home. If you would lift her and Stacy and Jody up in prayer. any of you been where they are. Father, I'm so thankful that we can lift our brothers and sisters in Christ up in prayer. Lord, one of the greatest ministries that we have is the ministry of intercession. So Father, we pray that you would bless and help. Lord, we pray for healing. Lord, we know your will is different oftentimes. So, Father, I pray that you would be as real spiritually to these families as you ever have been. Lord, I want to thank you for the grace that I've seen you pour out on them. Lord, emotionally, it can be such a a hard time. And, Lord, I pray that you'd give them a peace. Thank you for the hope that we have. Lord, your word says you'd never leave us nor forsake us. That's through the good and the bad. Lord, that's when we're healthy and when we're sick. Father, you said you'd be our refuge in the storms of life. And Father, you told us that your grace is sufficient. Lord, those are just words sometimes until we're walking through that valley. And Father, I pray that you'd love on them and this church would love on them. Father, there are so many other things that we can mention during this prayer time, but Lord, we pray that you'd be honored and glorified through all that's said and done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: we lift our veterans to you. We thank you for their courage in the face of danger, their resilience in times of adversity, and their commitment to defending our freedoms. We honor them for their dedication and sacrifices, for their willingness to stand on the front lines and their enduring love for our nation. Lord, we ask for your continued protection and blessings upon our veterans. May they find strength in their faith, hope in their hearts, and healing for their wounds. May your grace be with our veterans and their families, offering them the peace that can only come from you. We honor their dedication to our country. We are eternally grateful for their service. Amen.
2: Well, on this Veterans Day weekend, I'd like to ask all our veterans that are here today, would you please stand? If you're a veteran, would you please stand? Be proud of your service. Please stand. Let's thank them for what they've done for us. Thank you so much. Thank you, and you may be seated. We want to thank you for uh, your service. Um, Only a veteran understands the the time and dedication it takes uh, to be away from family can't imagine to be home and then be deployed and have to leave a, a wife and children or a husband and children. So thank you for what you do. The only reason that we can worship freely today is because of men and women serving not only in America but across the world. Uh, for the greatest military that's ever been produced and we're very thankful for that one. It depends on God very much. If you have your Bible, stand with me and turn to First Peter chapter 3. Last week we looked at verse 18. I'll just go ahead and tell you, this section of Scripture, if you ever hear a sermon on 1 Peter 3, verses 18 through 22, usually is how they're presented, and uh, in a commentary, they'll spend about three minutes on this verse, because <laughs> it's so hard. It's one of, it's one of the most, uh, not controversial, but one of the most disagreed-upon sections of Scripture in all the Bible. If you, if you read 20 commentaries, maybe five will agree, on one, one way of looking at it, five on another and maybe six on another, they just don't agree on it because God just didn't, just doesn't give us enough information about it. So we have to kind of present it as we see it. So the way I'm going to present it to you is the way most people that believe the way we do, do. Some parts of it may be a little different, okay, as we look at it, but more than likely it's not. So we're going to look at it, but listen to what the Bible says. Last week we talked about Jesus' death. And we equated his suffering for righteousness' sake to the people that Peter's writing to. Context is all that matters, right? Peter wrote a letter. He's writing it in context. You're suffering for righteousness' sake. Christ did it as well. He died. We looked at what Christ accomplished for us in his death. He expiates our sins. Aren't you thankful? He cleanses us. And then also, the Lord in his grace redeems us from that. We're justified by faith. All those things happen because Jesus died on the cross. And then Peter goes here. okay? And i got to preach on it. So verse verse 18 says this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. What? (laughs) Where is that? What is he talking about? And I'll tell you this. The word spirits there always refers to fallen, demonic spirits, right? Jude tells us, and then Peter in his second epistle tells us, that some of the angels that rebelled, especially during Noah's day, were sent to a place, and it's called a prison. And I'll tell you this, okay? Every term that that, uh, revolves around salvation is a legal term. Sanctification, justification, glorification. Your name is legally written in a book when you're saved. You may doubt your salvation, but God don't. For every person that's lost, who dies in that that place, dies lost, you're going to prison. That's exactly what this means. Notice what he says. Peter could have used another word. He says, by whom he also went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. And we're going to stop right there. So, the question is this: When Jesus died on the cross, we looked at that last week. What did He do over the weekend? Where did His spirit go? Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus said, "Father, into my into Your hands I commit my spirit." He breathed His last. Where did He go? Well, Peter tells us in that little bit of, bit of section of Scripture. So we're going to try to figure that out. Let's pray, Father. As we come to your prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for Your Word, Lord. Some of what I'm talking about today for us. We can debate it, but it's not going to change a thing for us. Lord, I'm going to present my view of this. Lord, a, a lot of the, uh, the pastors and people in Bible colleges would agree with part of it. Some of them would, wouldn't, and others would. But Father, the main thing for us to understand is that every person in here, Lord, if they've never placed their faith and trust in Jesus, there's a place you go when you die. And you will go there. And, Father, for the church, everything we do should be for God's glory, but it also should be about evangelism and discipleship. Lord, that's why we're going to fill shoeboxes Wednesday. That's why we're going to give kids Christmas presents. Father, that's why we have church. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have a children's and youth ministry. It's not just to stay busy but it's to tell people that there is the good news of the gospel is that Jesus saves, and also to die lost is to be eternally condemned to a place for eternity. So Father, as as we can look at the different aspects of this message this morning, there's only one thing that matters. Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus? So Father, help us as a church to be a great commission-minded church, and we are, and I thank you for that. And Lord, as individuals, I pray that we'd ask ourselves this question, have I truly placed my faith in Jesus? Have I truly placed my faith in Jesus? Because ultimately, that's all that matters. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for what you do for us, and we love you. In Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people said together, amen. Well, thank you. Now think about this for a moment. One person said this, when Jesus died, it was a real death because Jesus was a real human being. He was both God and man. He wasn't a phantom inhabiting a body. He was truly flesh and blood, which Peter tells us in verse 18 Jesus died in the flesh. He goes on to say, He could die. He could die because He was a human. He could die and pay the penalty for all your sins because He was God. There on the cross, Jesus' body died, just like ours. Yours and mine will die one day. However, when Jesus died, just like you and me, He did not cease to exist or go to sleep somewhere comfortable in heaven? Where did he go? What happened? And when you come to this study of scripture, these nine words in the English language have produced volumes of disagreement among Bible scholars. It has. People smarter than me would disagree with me. People smarter than me would agree with me. It's just the way it is. There's some things God just didn't make it black and white, but it's okay. There's a Hebrew conception of death slash sheol. When you think about the term sheol in the Bible, the Hebrew concept of Sheol, all right, the Greek word for Sheol is Hades. To the Hebrew mind, Sheol was simply the state or abode of the dead. It's not the same as the grave, though it's used that way as a grave in older versions. The grave was the resting place of the body from which the spirit had departed, while Sheol was the resting place of the departed spirits. Sheol in the Old Testament speaks of the realm of the dead. And this includes both the saved and the lost. That's where some people disagree. I'm going to show you a picture in just a little while about what the Jewish concept of Sheol was, and you'll see a term, Abraham's bosom. Okay, we're going to look at that in Luke 16. Now, even John MacArthur has changed his views on that over the years. Alright, at first he said that's where Old Testament saints went, and then Jesus came and set them free and they go to heaven, and now he's saying, no, they just go to heaven, okay? It really doesn't matter, okay? I mean, he's wrong on that, but it doesn't matter that he's wrong. And when we go back here to this part, it says this. Notice what Jacob said when he talks about Sheol. Now, Jacob was considered an Old Testament saint. It says, All his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol to my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. So what Jacob is saying is, is my son went somewhere, and his son was considered an Old Testament saint, and he said it's Sheol. Now, notice here in uh, what Solomon said. Solomon makes this statement. In Ecclesiastes, or I'm going to read it to you, Solomon said, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol. Talking about one part of Sheol, to which you're going. The psalmist said this in Psalm 88, Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? You remember Jesus called uh, Hades outer darkness? Psalm 31 says this, O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. So you have Jacob talking about his son in Sheol. You have the psalmist talking about the wicked going to Sheol. So what don't make sense, does it? And he's not talking about the grave there. Notice what David says. David says this, "The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. The cords of Sheol entangled me, in the snares of death they comforted me. Notice what Job says. Job talks about Sheol several times in his friends. It says as the cloud fades and vanishes so he who goes down to Sheol and does not come up. In Job 14 he says all that you would hide me in Sheol. That you would conceal me until your wrath be passed. That you would appoint me a set time and remember me. So Job's saying it's a bad place and it's a good place. Doesn't make sense unless you understand. Notice what Moses said. Moses said the lost go to Sheol in the Old Testament. Moses declared that when people die who despise Yahweh, they descend into Sheol. Notice what he says. But if the Lord creates something new and the ground opens its mouth and swallows them up with all their belongings with them and they go down alive into Sheol, then you shall know that these men have despised the Lord. So Moses said, saying the lost do. Listen to what Psalm 9 says. The wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. I share this verse at every funeral. What man can live and never see death? Can he deliver his soul from the power of the grave? That word means sheol. And then the psalmist puts this term selah beside it, which means stop and think about that. And what he's saying is you're going to die, okay? And your soul is going somewhere. And you need to think about that. Sheol refers to the realm of the dead where the souls of all dead men went before the resurrection. The New Testament term is more familiar with us, and that's the term Hades. Now, look. Jesus said this. Jesus talks about hell, and Jesus talks about Hades, two different terms, two different places, in my opinion. Jesus said this, "And you, Capernaum, will be exalted, that will you be exalted to heaven, you will be brought down to Hades, talking about Sheol. That Greek term for Sheol is, is Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained you to this day. What a tremendous warning to these people, And Jesus says this before his resurrection. You'll be brought down to Hades. And just be reminded, when Jesus resurrected, this is what Peter's talking about, everything about Sheol changes, especially for the Christians. Now, Jesus gives us a parable about this place in Luke 16. We're going to look at the whole thing here. Notice what he says. Luke 16, this is the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Now, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, which means he was filthy rich. In those days, when you wore purple, you had to get it from a certain type of of uh, fish or sea creature that was oftentimes imported and you had an enormous amount of money. So Jesus is talking about two extremes, a rich man and a beggar. He says he was clothed in purple and fine lemon and fared sumptuously every day. That means that he ate buffet style every day, which is very rare. It means that he probably ate meat every day, which was very rare. When we were in the Philippines, if somebody gave you a chicken they loved you very much because they didn't kill chickens every week in the Philippines. And, and those brown guys where we were out in the villages. Okay? What Jesus is saying here in this, in this parable is this guy was super rich and he ate well. Now look, but there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. So in order to have a gate, in Israel's days, you had an enormous amount of money. Right? An enormous amount of money. A gate. Right? And it says this, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. So Jesus says there's a rich man who's eating good. He's got good clothes. He eats good every day. He's got a gate, and there's a beggar full of sores. And all he wants is to eat from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Now what does that mean? Back in those days, kind of like when we were in the Philippines, you ate with your fingers. Not a bad deal, Right eat chicken, eat rice, eat whatever with your fingers. And there, in a lot of the restaurants in the Philippines, you just go to this little waterfall and just wash your hands, do the best you can, all right? Just don't shake hands with people, okay? In their day, they had clumps of bread. And when you would eat with your hands, in order to, to wipe your hands off, you just wipe it on the bread, right? And what the beggar says, I'll just take what falls off your table from wiping your hands. That's all he wanted. I'll just, I'll, I'll just lick it off the ground. And the rich man wouldn't do it. He just wouldn't do it. It's sitting the guy who's trying to scam you, you know, playing the violin. You know, all them guys are fake, don't you? Anyway, that's another story. This guy says, I'll just take the crumbs that fall from your table. I mean, Jesus has given us an extreme, okay? It says, So it was, well, look, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels where? To Abraham's bosom. Now where's that? A little bit of disagreement. It doesn't matter, but there's a little bit of disagreement on it. The rich man also died and was buried. Two died. One was carried by the angels, and the other was just put down on the ground. And being in torment, the rich man lifted up his eyes in Sheol, Hades. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off in Lazarus' bosom. So you have a guy here, and you have a guy here, and they're seeing each other. Now here's a Jewish concept if you'll notice this picture. Okay, you have these two compartments, a place of torment, Abraham's bosom which is paradise. And when Jesus resurrects, he gets those in Abraham's bosom in paradise and takes them to heaven. That's the view I look at, okay? John MacArthur believed that view early and I'm, I'm a big fan of John MacArthur. Well, now he don't believe it. He just says Abraham's bosom has always been heaven. Does it matter? Not a lot, doesn't matter a whole lot. We do know that Sheol is true and Sheol is pictured as a prison For uh, people who die lost. So when Jesus gives this picture, when they die, they both die. It's almost like they die on the same day. The beggar goes to Abraham's bosom, which is paradise. Jesus told the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise because the full ramifications of the resurrection hadn't taken place. All right? And then you have the rich man who's in the place of torment. And when Jesus died and resurrected, that didn't change. It will change one day, but it hadn't changed now. I hope you're following with me. Okay? Notice, the New Testament is helpful in letting us know that the Hebrew conception of the underworld included two separate locations. As a matter of fact, look at this verse. Jesus is telling us, The rich man cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that it may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now flame may mean fire, it may just mean judgment, because that's what it means. All right. But what what the rich man does, even in hell... He doesn't ask God for help. He says, send the beggar. See, an arrogant person who dies arrogant is going to be arrogant for eternity. Jesus said, let the thief be a thief. He just said, the way you die is who you are, is what he's saying. This rich man doesn't change. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. Okay? Okay. And then he says, And besides this, between us and you there's a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from here to there pass to us. The Bible doesn't say Lazarus could see him, but it says he could see Lazarus. Okay. So in Jesus' parable, it seems like there's two compartments. Now that one could be heaven, it could be, but a lot of scholars believe it's just Abraham's bosom. Now notice how this ends in this section. It says, Then he said, now, the rich man's talking a lot now. Okay, he didn't talk to he got to hell, or, or Sheol, or Hades. Then he said, I beg you. Now, notice, this is every person that dies lost. I beg you. I beg you. Therefore, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may testify, evangelizes what that word means, to them, lest they also come to this place, it's an actual place, of torment. Now, he doesn't repent. He doesn't. But he says, I want you to send Lazarus to my brothers and tell him, tell him to evangelize. He's, he's risen from the dead. Tell him to evangelize. Now, look what Jesus said, or Abraham says. And Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let, let him hear them. And he's, what he's saying is, they have the Torah, they have the Bible. There's, you're supposed to memorize it by the time you're 12, the first five books of the Bible. He said, if you don't believe that, a a guy risen from the dead, a beggar, ain't going to win nobody, Jesus. Just not. See, if you live in Alexander County where there's a church on every corner, I got probably 45 Bibles on my phone. I think 27 to 30 commentaries. 54 books about the Bible. Okay? I don't need somebody risen from the dead to share the gospel with me. I need somebody like Justin to. That's what he's saying. Abraham said, listen, if he sees some sign or some miracle, he's not going to get right with God. He don't even believe what he has. Just being realistic with him. And he said, no, Father Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Look at the word. This guy's an evangelist. This guy is a theologian. Now, he's not repenting. He's not repenting. I've been to prison more times than I can count, and I've met many people, and, they, and I said, if you got out, what would you do? He said, I'd do the same thing that got me in here. I've seen them. Look them in the eyes. That's how people in hell are. There's not one person in hell wanting out. I don't understand that. Jesus given us. But he said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though someone risen from the dead. Okay? So you have a guy in Abraham's bosom and you have one in Sheol or Hades. Now notice here on the next slide, notice the, the Greek New Testament word for eternal hell is Gehenna. And this word Gehenna is come from the Valley of Hinnom. In the Old Testament, there was this uh, God called Molech, and he was like a statue that they would heat up. And if you wanted to worship this statue, you'd take newborn babies or young babies, and you'd throw them in his arms, and they would die alive. You said, could the Israelites do that? Oh, they sure did. Look, it says, in the Old Testament, Old Testament the Israelites found themselves surrounded by nations that offered their children as religious sacrifice. Molech worship appears to have been commonplace among the Canaanites and the Amorites. And according to Stephen in Acts 7.43, it became a prominent feature of Israelite culture. Because when Solomon got married to multiple wives, those wives came from foreign religions and all of them worshipped Molech. And then Solomon, to please these women, offered children up to him as a sacrifice. And it was so bad that what happened was God condemned this place. It became kind of like a, a landfill in Jesus' day where people burnt trash, dead bodies. Jesus said, this is the place where the worm doesn't die. The smoke continually goes up because the trash is always burning. When I was in Haiti, all right, in Port-au-Prince, we were driving down the road, and on the sides of the road, there's just trash. We're in an SUV, and trash is higher than SUV. This is Port-au-Prince, the capital. And then you'd see, like, look like a fire. <laughs> I'd say, is that place on fire? He says, Nah, that's where they take their trash and burn it. He says, that fire never goes out. It never goes out. It's just all... He said, everything's in there. He, he, said, he said, they probably kill people and throw them in there and nobody ever find them. That was this place. This place was so, so bad and, and considered so bad because Ahaz and King Manasseh, two bad kings in Israel, Manasseh set up a, a temple or a statue of this one at the temple where, where they burnt babies. And Ahaz... I believe it was Ahaz or Manasseh 1 killed the heir of David uh, by worshiping Molech. And God says, I'm going to condemn this whole place. I'm going to turn it into a garbage dump. And that's what it is. So when Jesus talked about hell, notice what Jesus says. If you'll notice this next slide, Jesus said this, "But But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who after he is killed has authority to cast into hell. Different term than Sheol. So here Jesus used the term Gehenna or hell, which is talking about the final, eternal punishment of all lost people. So you got Sheol, where people go now, I call it county jail, and hell is like state prison, the bad one. All right? That's what he says. He says, but I will warn you. See, Jesus uses the term Hades and Gehenna as well, two different places. Notice the next slide. Hades is thrown into Gehenna, according to Revelation 20, at the end of time. So you have Sheol, which is Hades. You have Gehenna, which is hell. And notice what Jesus says happens at the end of time. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades, Sheol, Hades, gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged. Okay. So if you die today lost, you're going to prison to await another trial date. And you don't want to be in this court, trust me. You don't ever want to be in court, by the way. It's not a good, even as a witness, amen? I mean, I get, I get like bad PTSD when I go to court, I guess, okay? have to get counseling after I go to court. Now notice, he says, they were judged, which is a legal term. Everything about your life, according to heaven, is based on legality. It just is. You know, it just is. Everything is. They were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done, Okay? Then death in Hades, Sheol, was thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone's name not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire, a legal declaration that you're guilty for eternity. Now, I don't know if you've been to prison. Okay, I'm going to be going December the 1st, I think, to some prison with Scotty. I don't even know where we're going. All right, But I'm going, and I'm going to speak to prisoners. Now, I've been to Alexander County Prison more times than I can count. And when Chaplain Redding was there, Chaplain Redding would sometimes take me to different parts of the prison to talk to prisoners. And on this day, I'd preach two chapel services. he said, say, hey, you want to go to solitary? I said, no. He said, let's go. Didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. I was ready to go home. He says, there's a young guy down there. I want you to meet. I got to give him something. I've told you all this story before. So we're going to solitary. When you go to solitary, you go to, to one little portion where you got, I think there's like two or four doors and you stand there. Then when the doors are open, you walk out, and then they close. Okay, and chaplain reading. We've done that three or four times. Then we go down steps. You go into solitary. You got two floors, I think. I can't remember of cell blocks. Right, solitary means you're there for 23 hours. You get out of that cell for one hour. Right, just a small cell. What, an eight by ten? I don't know. Okay, and all these guys, when you when you go down there, you're yelling. I said, don't tell them I'm a preacher. And he goes, it's Jamie
1: Steele, Pastor and he's told the Baptist
2: church. I said, thanks, bud. So everybody, you know, some people are like, pray for me. Some people start singing Amazing Grace. Some people start cussing. It's just what they do. You're in solitary, right? It is the most hopeless place in Alexander County is solitary. It just is. His. It's just, it's just a it's just a it's just a tough place. So I go to this guy, and he's, I remember he's redheaded, and he's very light skinned, and he's kind of making fun of the fact that I'm a preacher. And I was playing along with him, right? Chaplain Redding looked at him and told him something about, I think it might have been a class he completed or something. And uh, the guy said, do you believe in hell? And I said, yeah. And he goes, he started talking, started kind of making fun of it. I'm going to party down there, blah, blah. He said, what's hell like to you? And I said, you want want me to be honest with you? I said, Jesus pictures hell like solitary forever. He stood up and just looked at me. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah, he's called Outer Darkness. No partying in hell, brother. This right here, for eternity. And you know what this guy did? He just started backing up, shaking his head. You know why? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. That's what Jesus says this is. He preached to the spirits in prison, our verse says. It's a legal term. If you die today lost, there's going to be no arguing on your side. See, I'm going to stand before Jesus. I got a lawyer. His name's Jesus. He's my advocate. And he's going he's to plead my case. I'm just going to point to him. Okay? I'm just going to point to him and say, take care of it, Jesus. But if you die without Christ, you have no one but yourself. And the Bible says that in the presence of Jesus, every mouth will be shut. You're not going to say a word. Now notice, think about the Christians who died in faith. The Bible says this, Jesus changes Sheol through the cross and tomb. And Jesus said to him, truly, Today, I I say that you'll be with me in paradise. Now, a lot of scholars say that when Jesus died, he took the thief to this place, all right? It wasn't just heaven at the time. It was this beautiful place called paradise, which is a good place. And then notice the second verse, Ephesians 4, 8, I believe it is. Notice, it says in Ephesians 4, 8, when he ascended on high, which means he descended, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Here, Paul quotes Psalm 68 which talks about the Messiah being a conquering hero and when he takes people captive, he not only takes people captive who are in the enemy's camp, but he sets them free. It'd be like me going to Iran, okay, and setting free the people who are under Shira law. They're Iranians, but I'm bringing them with me and then he gives gifts to everybody. And what most scholars believe happened when Jesus died on the cross and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He goes down to Sheol, these two compartments, he takes his people with him, and then, according to Peter in our verse, he proclaims victory over the demonic spirits, and he preaches the gospel to them—not to evangelize them, but to proclaim his victory. Notice this next slide on the screen. Jesus proclaimed victory over Satan after being made alive. He went and made proclamation. He preached to the imprisoned spirits. He based, that word proclamation means he tells them, "I won. I won." The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And Jesus kicks the gates down from the inside. To those who are disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being complete. And then notice the last slide on the screen. What was Jesus doing on Saturday? This is very important. He was declaring the gospel. He was robbing the graveyard of death. He was setting the captives free. And he was letting everyone know that he was victorious. Now think about this for a moment. And I'll ask you this question. Have you ever come to the place in your life as an individual that you've humbled yourself before God and asked for mercy and salvation because you're a sinner? And see, that's a legal thought as well. I've broken God's law. I'm a sinner. And and James, the Lord's brother, said this. He said, if you break it in one point, one, one point, you're guilty of it all. And have you come to the place where you said, yes, I have? and I'm guilty, and I deserve hell, and my only hope is Jesus. See, that's the only way to be saved. You've humbled yourselves before him. You admit your situation and your loss. Have you ever committed yourself to Christ? The Bible says that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Aren't you thankful? He said, anyone who comes to me, I will not cast out. And he says this, leave your life of self-centeredness and sin and come to me. He would receive you, He would save you, He would wash your sins away, all of them, and fill you with His Holy Spirit and make a new personality. Now think about this. He would intercede for you. He would defend you at the right hand of God the Father. He will guide you until your death, until you're in His presence. All this by faith, if you would confess Him as Lord, believe that God raised Him from the dead, and call upon Him to save you. Proud people don't get saved, do they? Proud people don't get saved. So if you're here today and you're lost, I'm going to ask your musicians to come. When they give the invitation, whether you respond or not, walking forward, you can respond in your heart. Some of the greatest decisions I've ever made in my life, I did not move forward. Just not that kind of guy. I'm not one of those guys that's going to walk forward. I'm just not. But if you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. And church, what what does this tell us as Christians? It tells us this, that we have the good news to share with the lost and dying world. I I love that... uh, YouTube video that Penn Gillette has um, and I've shared this story with you before too, that he was doing a show you know, Penn and Teller, now he's an atheist, right, very very vocal atheist, and he said he was doing a show he said after the show that people will come up and they'll sign autographs, they'll do a meet and greet and he said this one guy was dressed kind of like I am, and he said he just stood in the back waited to the end, came up to him was very nice, said you, you could tell he was a very smart guy, and he said he had a Gideon Bible in his hand and he said, he had that Gideon Bible. And Penn says, now I'm a vocal atheist. This guy just knew I was a magician or whatever. And he said, that guy took that Gideon Bible and very intelligently, very compassionately, very boldly, you know, he said, I'm Penn Gillette. This guy I didn't know him from Adam, shared the gospel with me. And then he said this. He said, people said, what'd you do? He said, well, I didn't. He said, I took the Bible and I thanked him. He said, I don't believe it. But he said, this. He said, how much do you have to hate a person if you believe there's a hell? and you won't tell them about Jesus. He says, I have no respect for people who truly believe there's a place called hell and would not evangelize somebody like me. And I say that to say this, why be scared to share the gospel when you have the only good news that a lost person needs or desires? Will you stand with me? After I pray, this altar's open if you need to respond. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we want to thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercy. We want to thank you for your word. Lord, we want to thank you for every Christian who passes from this life to the next, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that's because Jesus rose from the dead. Father, we all have family and friends who are lost, that need the gospel. And Father, I pray during the quietness of this moment that we'd lift them up to you in prayer. And Lord, we pray for their salvation. Lord, I have family, I have a few friends left who have never placed their faith and trust in you, Lord. And today, I pray for their salvation. And Father, if there's anyone here today who has never placed their faith and trust in you, and has never made that decision to come to you by faith, I pray that today would be their day of salvation as well. Father, this is your time. These are your people. Lord, I, I trust in your sovereign grace in people's lives. And I pray that you be honored and glorified through everything that's said, done, and prayed during this invitation time. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. Amen. As Sharon leads us in this
0: song, you respond as the Lord leads you this morning.
2: this at the end of every service, but if you're here today and you'd like to talk about salvation or about church membership or about baptism or any of those things, we'd love to talk with you about that. If you want to complain, just go on to Mexico, Viejo, okay, I'm just picking, but we'd love to talk with you about that, okay, about church membership or your salvation. If you have a family or friend that's lost and if they would like to talk to a pastor, I'd love to talk with them, I'll be non-judgmental. And just try to do my best to share the gospel with them. But I want to thank you so much for being here today. God bless you and hope to see you back here tonight at 5 p.m. Thank you.